Hi guys, Rob here, podcast editor for EveryMind. Are you a business or a HR feeling like you're banging the head against a brick wall when it comes to workplace mental health? Then we are here for you. This week, founder Paul dives into the number one mistake businesses make when it comes to employee mental health. If you think EveryMind at Work can help your business, then head over to everymindatwork.com. And if you found this episode valuable, don't forget to share with a friend and leave us a review on iTunes. As ever, enjoy the show. I'm Paul. Welcome to today's session. Really kind of looking forward to sharing this with you today. We're going to be talking about the one mistake that I see a lot of businesses make when it comes to workplace mental health. But at the same time, hopefully after this session, you're going to walk away with a brand new approach to mental health in the workplace. I just had a, a, a note to say my internet isn't very good. So I'm a little bit worried, but hopefully all is okay. So I can see lots of people in the chat box. Hopefully you can hear me all right. Can I just get a, a yes if you can hear me okay? Um, we've got quite a lot of people on the session already. So we've got 122 here. So thank you guys for joining today. I really appreciate it. It's uh, an hour out of your time. So, you know, thank you so much for giving me that, that time today. Good stuff. So everyone can hear. Excellent, excellent, excellent. So I'm actually a little bit nervous about today's session. Um, I'll explain why in just a minute, but I really want this to be insightful for you. Um, and hopefully, like I said, it'll give you a new approach. So welcome to today's session. Really looking forward to, to walking you through it. So what we're going to be looking at is how to improve mental health within your business without adding more work to your plate or draining your budget. Can any of you relate to that? Can any of you relate to that, especially if you're working in a HR? I know we've got some HR ninjas in here. Shout out to HR ninjas. Wanted to put that in there very early on as well. Can any of you relate to that, right? So how do you improve mental health within your business without adding more work to your plate or draining your budget? Now we're gonna be talking about this new approach today and I'm gonna to explain where I, you know, why I sit in, in here today and kind of explaining this to you, but it baffles me. Any HR professionals in here, can I just get a yes? Any HR professionals or anyone who's been tasked with well-being, it baffles me that it's almost like, hey, can you guys fix this? Can you guys do something about this? Can you, can you literally on your own or a small team of you help hundreds of people with their mental health? We struggle to deal with our own mental health, let alone help hundreds and hundreds of people, right? So um, sounds familiar by the looks of it. So hopefully this is going to um, help you in today's session. And what we're gonna be learning from this free training is that number one mistake that businesses make with workplace mental health. Is a mistake that I've seen lots of businesses make and that isn't a bad thing it's just we need to start looking at mental health in a different way and I'm going to be explaining that today why mental health is important to you and your business and hopefully giving you that fresh perspective we're going to be introducing you into something that we call the three P's method and how you can apply it within your business so you can actually walk away with some strategy after this and how to apply this into your business without a huge budget time or senior buy-in so I'm gonna try and achieve a lot in this session, but hopefully um, it helps. This session is obviously for HR professionals, wellbeing leads, business owners, or anyone tasked with in an organization of how to improve workplace mental health. But at the same time, I'm gonna be sharing my own story in just a second. And, and if mental health is something that you're passionate about, then hopefully this session is gonna be valuable for you as well. Like I say, my aim for this session is to walk you through this new approach almost give you a new perspective of it and hopefully at the same time help you save time, budget and resources as well. Um, Rebecca, if you just reset, you might be able to um, do so. So you might be able to just jump off and jump back on. If not, you might have to use another browser as well. Um, hopefully you can hear me. I've just told you what to do and you might not be able to hear me. 
this isn't about adding overwhelm either, guys. You know, I'm sure you've been on lots of mental health webinars. I want to kind of come at this with a different approach and give you a different almost framework that you can walk away from and, and look at how we can improve this. And I'm sure all of you know this when it comes to mental health. What are the benefits of improving mental health within a business? It's improving productivity, it's reducing absenteeism, it's increasing job retention, and it's and it's just the right thing to do, right? We need to just do this stuff because it's the right thing to do. But at the same time, um, we all know the benefits of it, but we all struggle to know what to do. And that's something that we want to kind of tackle in today's session. So who am I rather than a guy whose hair's getting extremely long? I don't know if you can see that on the sides. Um, I haven't been able to get a haircut for a while and I'm, I'm kind of stuck here in my makeshift office in my living room. Um, and I do apologize if any any young children or dogs or, or my wife storms in at any time during this session. Um, but joys of working from home. But apart from obviously what you see here on webcam, these photos are just there to position me a little bit differently. Um, so for the past four or five years, I've been doing a lot of work within the mental health space. And I share my own story, which I'll share with you in just a second. And really, for me, I never thought I would be doing this kind of work. And whether that's working within organizations, whether that's obviously the company that I started every mine at work or doing charity work, I do a lot of work for you know, charities, um, public speaking, public appearances, works in schools. I won a Mind Media Award. That's the little one, and you can see in the right-hand side there. It For me, the key focus that I have with everything that I do is to try and help people and try and give hope to people that might be suffering in silence. And there's a reason why I do this. And whether that's you know within the, a business or whether that's within a school or, as I say, a public appearance, whatever it is, everything that I try and do is to try and give hope to someone that might be suffering in silence. And there's a reason why I do this, right? And this might be difficult to hear, you know, how long have we brushed mental health under the carpet? But I think it's really important that I, I share this story early on so you can kind of see the purpose behind why I wanted to share this with you today. And that's the young me. Was I cute? Was I, was I a, a cute kid? I was, I was, people used to call me the milk bar kid. Um, so first 18 years of my life, I didn't really think about mental health. You know, I, 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 the way that I kind of see mental health in how I approached it was this. Here's me and my family on the left-hand side. That's us. And that's mental illness and mental health on the right-hand side. Now, I could have used different images for that right-hand side. And I was, I was thinking about doing so. But that perception of mental health and mental illness, for me growing up, was that. Straight jackets, padded cells, people that had personalities that didn't reflect what me, my family, my friends had. And it was only what I saw represented in Hollywood movies and newspapers. That was my perception of mental health. That was my perception of mental illness. So there you got me and my family on the left-hand side. That's not going to impact us. That's not us. We can't relate to that. So we're not going to talk about mental health. We're not going to talk about mental illness. It's only going to affect a small minority of people. And, and from what I can see, it's not going to affect us. We've got everything to be happy for. You know, this is not going to affect us at all. And for the first 18 years of my life, that was how I approached it. Very carefree, didn't really worry about it too much. But when I was 18 years old, all of that changed. It changed very, very quickly. It changed overnight. My dad, as you can see in this photo here, all of a sudden, he, he broke. And that's the only way that I explain it. My dad broke. He was showing clear signs of now crisis and clear signs of struggle. And we took my dad to the doctors and my dog, my, the doctor said my dad had depression and he needed antidepressants. 
and we kind of walked away from that and you know we were just like you've got nothing to be depressed about dad you know you've got all of this stuff to be happy about my dad was a full-time engineer my dad had a part-time physiotherapy business he was a qualified physio my dad had a psychology degree as you can see in this photo this is my dad's 40th birthday he was smiling he was happy he was laughing he had friends he had family he was physically healthy and, and all of this made us say to my dad you've got nothing to be depressed about but my dad was diagnosed with depression and shortly after that diagnosis and when i say shortly i mean seven days after my dad made an attempt on his life the first suicide attempt that my dad made and it was a massive shock to us all we didn't we didn't understand it we didn't get it we were shocked we it was like a nightmare and, and we couldn't really put it into words and and even though my dad seemed to be getting better at some point and then seemed to be getting worse he ended up spending a couple of months in a, in a mental health unit and you know that was our exposure to mental illness you know how has our life gone from this as you can see in that photo there and that photo was literally four or five years before this happened to now this i'm visiting my dad in a mental health unit seeing people with borderline personality disorder psychosis schizophrenia and my dad there for a couple of months just clinging on to any hope that he might have and he came out of that and still we were very conditioned and educated that this is just going to be something that my dad can just snap out of that it's going to be okay right he's got nothing to be depressed about and sadly on the 4th of march 2009 my life changed forever on the 4th of march 2009 that was the day that my dad took his own life and it was a massive shock to us all it was a massive shock to everyone because even though this was a six-month battle from him breaking down and, and being in a mental health unit and, and being depressed and everything it was so difficult for us to deal with and how did i deal with that you know how do i how do i deal with a, a situation like this you know here's some photos of my dad and of course i'm more vocal about this now guys but i'm going to share my journey in just a second but you're, you're looking at these photos and my dad was 45 when he took his own life you know my dad was saving for a time and at 50 he took his own life at 45 and you know my dad was an amazing man my dad had on, on the outside looking in, people used to call him Mr. Perfect, right? People used to say he's got nothing, you know, he's, he's happy, everything's fine. But my dad was like many other people that suffered in silence. My dad was like many other people that was dealing with something that was going on in here. But because of the stigma and because of the approach that we take with mental health and mental illness, he did not want to talk about it. The only time he wanted to do something about it was when he was in this crisis situation, right? I was also a big chav as well, guys. You know, if you know what a chav is, that was me in those photos. And the way that I dealt with that as 18 years old was, was this. I reached for this mask. This image is so powerful. Have any of you ever seen any of this, these images before? This one is, is one of my favorite ones. I reached for my mask. I was 18 years old. I got told that my dad had taken his own life. I cried. I got angry. And there I was reaching for this mask. I reached for this mask and I wore this mask. Now, I'd worn this mask before. We all wear this mask, right? But this mask now served me for years. What this mask allowed me to do was exactly as that image shows, right? It allowed me to cry inside and feel pain inside, but smile on the outside. That mask allowed me to text my friends two days after my dad's suicide and say, where are we going this weekend? And there I was, you know, four, five, six days later, whenever it was in a nightclub, getting drunk dancing laughing smiling with all of my friends and even though all of them you know 18 19 year old guys saying why are you here you do not need to be here there i was putting on that mask 
there I was Monday morning going back to work, you know, laughing, joking, not wanting to talk about this. I just want to smile. I just want to pretend that all is okay. But what that mask also meant was, you know, I would sometimes bury my head in a pillow and cry myself to sleep because I didn't want to wake up my mum. I didn't want to burden my mum. You know, that, that mask allowed me to be in the office from nine to five and perform and joke and smile and be that guy who, you know, is, is doing well, right? Settling into this job that I was in. But at the same time, I would drive home on my own and listen to songs that me and my dad used to listen to. And, and I, would, I would cry, right? And, and I was dealing with this on my own. I was, I was wearing this mask. And one of the reasons why I wore this mask is because no one was talking about their emotions, right? No one was talking about mental health. And, and I had to pretend that I was doing well because I was the only one feeling the way that I was. And if any of you ever worn that mask, hopefully we're gonna be a bit honest here now, when have you ever worn that mask? Right, it's exhausting. It's so exhausting. It is it's honestly the most exhausting thing that we can do. There's a really good quote that says, when you struggle with your mental health, it's tiring. But when you struggle with your mental health and you pretend that you're okay, it's exhausting. And this is what I was doing. I was, I was struggling. I didn't know how to deal with my dad's suicide. I was angry. I was confused. I didn't know why. I didn't didn't know what to do next. I didn't know how I could move forward. I was questioning lots, but you know, this mask allowed me to show everyone that I was fine because that's the way that I was taught to deal with, with mental health. But actually, you know, there I was trying to pretend that I was okay and, and it was exhausting. And there's only so long that you can wear that mask and, and I wore it for a couple of years, but at 21, I broke. I, I just broke. I, I needed, I needed something. I needed someone I needed to hear from someone that everything's going to be okay I needed to hear from someone that there's like a little bit of hope that you can move forward dealing with the situation and there I was kind of where my dad was in this crisis situation at 21 years old not really knowing what to do not really knowing where to turn and the way that I tried to deal with this before this moment at 21 was was overworking it was getting angry right these were the tools that I had I want to just get angry. That's the way that I'm going to deal with it. Chasing success. You know, my past business was in the fashion industry. I had a fashion magazine and I made it onto GQ, as you can see in that photo. And I was like, oh, yeah, I've made it into GQ. Every, every guy's young guy's dream. And, and there I was just still unhappy. Right. Every every business goal that I had to make a certain amount of money to buy this, to do that, I would I would I would try and I would get there and I'd be like, now I'm going to be happy. I wasn't happy. Because still I'm running away from this problem, from these emotions, this trauma that I didn't want to deal with. I was overspending. I was saying that I'm fine every five minutes. And, you know, for me, that was how I dealt with it. That was the tools that I had in my toolbox at that time. But they just didn't work. You know, there's only so much that you can do to distract yourself from it. And I got help. I needed help. And there I was at 21 years old. I, I tried therapy. I'd been to therapists before. But there I was in this, 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 this house with this lady called Anne. She was in her late 60s. She was someone who was more of a holistic therapist. And after about two or three sessions of her, she got me. She, she got me. She, she made me break. And there I was bawling my eyes out in this random woman's house, just, just letting go. Like, I, you know, just, just letting go. I was literally saying to her, my dad took his own life. I have no idea how to deal with it. And there I was, all of this was just flooding out. And even though if you've ever been through an experience like that, you know, it was, it was hard at that moment because I was like, I was going in here to not cry and I'm coming out crying. You know, this isn't working, but I stuck with it and I stuck with it. And as I stuck with it, you know, I started to slowly get better. And I spent a good seven years of just 
slowly, slowly starting to try and answer those questions, slowly, slowly starting to deal with what I was dealing with, um, slowly, slowly starting to then talk about it to my family and some of my friends. And then seven years later, it dawned on me. It dawned on me that, you know, I'd, I'd been through this experience. I'd, I'd finally got help. I was now in a much better place. I'd now started to answer some of these questions around mental health. But there I was at an event. And the speaker of the event, a guy called Simon Lovell, he, he asked this question. He says, what do you wish you could change? And this was like a question to everyone. This wasn't just a question to me. And that question got me, like really, really got me. And I thought to myself, if this happened to my dad, if this has happened to me, and also to many others that I, you know, maybe started to talk to about it, you know, I decided to tell my friends and some of them had spoken about their own sort of mental health challenges as well. I thought to myself, you know, how many more people is this happening to? I was literally conditioned and brought up that this is a minority of people that deal with this. But actually, if I can change one thing, you know, it's, it's how we approach this. There's so many more people that are going to be dealing with this. This isn't just an issue that I'm facing. This isn't just an issue that my dad faced. The stigma will tell us that because no one's talking about this stuff. But I know that there are so many other people out there that this is happening to. And I started to ask this question as well. You know, why are we focusing on waiting until someone is in crisis, believing it's the minority when really it's the majority? So why are we waiting until an issue happens and then we do something about it? And I started to relive a lot of those moments with my dad. And I started to look back and I started to think to myself, with the education that I now have, what would I have done differently? And a lot of it came around the fact that, you know, we only did something about it when he was in crisis. He only did something about it when he was in crisis. And this is how we've just been treating mental health. I did exactly the same thing. I saw it happen to my dad, but there I was ignoring it. Now I'm in crisis. Now I need to do something about it. And it isn't the minority, it's the majority. You might have seen some of these statistics and I'll just leave them there for a second. But when we're looking at mental health and the impacts, these are statistics for everyone to see. These are statistics that show the current state of mental health in the workplace. And still, are we prioritizing it? Are we still looking at it in a different way or are we still reacting to it when an issue happens? You know, of course, for a lot of businesses, they might look at the cost of how much this is impacting their business. For others, they might look at it and say, we need to do stuff about mental health and well-being because it's the right thing to do, right? And when it comes to the statistic that really stands out to me, the statistic that, you know, for me is the one that's the most important one that, Tammy, I'll send it to you. I'll send these, these slides to you as well if you want. The statistic that makes this so important when we frame it differently is this. The biggest threat to my life right now as I sit here, as a man under 45 years old, as a dad, as a husband, as a son, as a brother, as a colleague, the biggest threat to my life right now is this. It's my mind, it's mental health, it's depression, it's mental illness, it's suicide. Biggest killer of men under 45 in the UK is suicide. How many men under 45 are in your employer, in your, in your organization, right? When we're looking at that now, why is this a priority? It's the biggest threat to my life. This, this, this can impact me as a parent. This can impact me as a husband if I do not look after this, right? So this is how important it is. And we need to start looking at the, the importance of it. And we're not just talking about men here. We're looking at sort of the statistics around women in particular. You know, the suicide rates are increasing, especially of certain demographics. You know, this is something that impacts so many people as well. And there was also a great statistic shared by Emily. I think Emily is on this um, thing, and I'm happy to share that with you as well. In terms of 
what is the leading cause of absences in um in in you know for employees at the moment as well and again mental health just is is there it's the top one it's it's something that we're all dealing with and something that we're all managing but still how are we approaching it we're approaching it in a reactive way you know my dad's organization they reacted when a crisis happened i'm not denying that they didn't do a good job you know they reached out to my mom and they were very sort of compassionate and you know my dad they gave him some time off throughout all of that period where he was in that mental health unit and you know i was probably still a bit too young to kind of ask how he was getting paid and all of that so i don't know the ins and outs but they did okay but they reacted right they reacted to it and so were many other businesses they only did something about it when my dad was in that that place you know what about if they would have done something three or four years ago what about if they would have started to create more awareness around mental health within the business and my dad as an engineer attended a session and there he was sort of saying to himself hold on i'm not alone here maybe i can talk about it to someone you know how different would things have been and so many other business were being reactive and, and i started to do talks in organizations i started to do webinars and i started to do um lunch and learns and i started to do workshops and you know from businesses like lloyd's bank to Ernest and Young, Warner Brothers, the FA, to smaller businesses as well, like Claremont Consulting, Hootsuite, you know, smaller businesses of different industries. I started to go in and do a lot more talks with these companies. And even though all of these companies are doing, you know, amazing stuff and, and they still are today, you know, it did, it did dawn on me as well that every business needs some sort of change. We're still dealing with this in a completely backwards way. You know, my talks, they had an impact, but that impact was short lived. So what I mean by that is I would go into a business, I would share my story, I would talk about why mental health is important, how we can look after our own mental health and how we can maybe support others, and I would leave. But before I would leave, those people within that room would be given amazing feedback. And also within that room, they might be then talking about their own story. Vulnerability has this amazing way of trying to get other people to now talk about theirs, because that stigma has almost been reduce slightly here's someone sort of you know sharing their story i can relate to that so now i'm going to share mine and now all of a sudden there's an employee talking about what they've been through and the other employees are like i didn't know that about you you know you don't bring your whole self to work and now that conversation's starting to flow a little bit so i used to leave these sessions and and i knew the impact but that impact was short-lived and what i mean by that is i knew i wasn't coming back i knew i wasn't coming back because the reason why I wasn't coming back, because maybe it's now not Mental Health Awareness Week, you know, maybe it's not World Mental Health Day anymore. At the same time, you know, is it something that they're doing because they're trying to change the overall sort of approach to mental health within the business? Or is it something that they're doing because they feel like they have to? And of course, every business is very different, but this is still just the norm of how we've approached it for so long. So I kind of remember sitting there sort of saying to myself, how can I change this reactive approach to focus on prevention? And, and how could we do that if all we do is focus on the what and not the why? And, and what I mean by that is when we're looking at the what, it's what products do we have? What incentives do we have? What do we have to provide for our employees? So the what could be, we'll get a mental health speaker in for Mental Health Awareness Week, or we'll get someone in to, to do a lunch and learn. We'll do a webinar for Mental Health Awareness Week. The why that's attached to that for a lot of businesses is because we should. We should be doing something about Mental Health Awareness Week. So we're going to get a speaker. The what could be we're going to sign up to an employee assistance program. And the why could be so employees obviously have counseling when they need it. Again, none of this is bad stuff. This is all positive and this is all working towards the change that we all want to achieve. But 
we're just focusing more on the what. You know, we'll train mental health first aiders. The why? Well, you know, we're then going to have employees in the business helping others, going to share a little bit of the workload for us. And, you know, hopefully it's going to start to create a little bit more of an open culture as well. But the focus is way too much on the what. The focus isn't on the why. And even for some of those big organizations, they had lots of what's, they had this, they had that, we do this, we do that, we do this. And then actually when you say, so what's the strategy behind that? You know, for a lot of businesses, they, they, they struggled. And again, this isn't us saying that this is the wrong way of approaching it. It's purely because we don't have the education, we don't have the research, we don't have the knowledge, we don't have the understanding that this is the strategy, this is what we should be focusing on. We should be focusing more on the why and less on the what. And really, I kind of want to talk about that. And on the train home from London after one of the talks, I wrote down this, and this is a terrible drawing. I don't know why I'm showing you this. Um, a terrible, terrible drawing. But basically what it kind of shows, my drawing's awful, what it kind of shows was this kind of approach of an organization that maybe has, let's say, 500 employees, right? And those dots represent, um, you know, employees, 500 employees. So I would go in and do a talk and maybe I'd speak to 50. Okay, so I'm like, how do I reach all 500 of them? You know, this is a purpose-driven thing that I'm doing. How do I reach all 500 of them? So you've now got all 500 at that top there. And how do we get them sort of talking about mental health and having conversations and all of that? And then you've got like another layer, which is now like a smaller maybe cohort of employees that, that need that support. They need sort of self-help strategies. They need to feel empowered to kind of look after their own mental health and understand the importance of it. You know, not everyone within that sort of first segment is going to go into that. But at the same time, you know, they do need that support. And then you've now got like the, the last segment, which is those employees in crisis. And the kind of like diagram that you can see there is kind of like less people sort of following through. And, and then on the left, you can kind of see there, dad, me, businesses, they're ignoring those first two stages. We're going straight into the react. We're going straight into employees in crisis. Um, and we're just kind of ignoring that. And, and I remember sort of saying, you know, we need to just stop these issues from happening. Like how, how do we stop these issues from happening? How do we focus more on the kind of proactive preventative approaches? Um, but I knew that was going to be difficult, right? And if this has happened to my dad, a hardworking engineer, you know, if he had more support, how different would have this have been? You know, how different would this have been if his business maybe had taken a more proactive, preventative approach? And this was 2009. I'm sure if you guys remember 2009, there wasn't the conversations that we have today around mental health. But still, I think it could have been different. You know, when someone takes their own life, they don't want to die. They just cannot deal with the mental pain anymore. When someone takes their own life, they feel like a burden to everyone else. When someone takes their own life, they have this sort of collapsed tunnel vision view of, of life in general and, and what hope is to them. And sometimes all they need, and sometimes all my dad might have needed, is that 1% that of hope to give him that day, that week, that month, that year to continue fighting and to continue to get that help to start to deal with what he was dealing with. And sometimes that's very simple. Sometimes that's just him feeling heard and understood and less alone because of the stigma that was associated with mental health at that time and, and it is today. And obviously persuading companies to see it this way is, is very difficult. You know, we've been reactive for so long and, and luckily Julius Baer, an early sort of client of mine was, was amazing. They were very proactive with it. They've got an amazing CEO called David Derlacher and he really, really believes in the importance of this. And, and I was doing some work with a charity at the time, a mental health charity, and they were their sponsor charity. And, and over a period of maybe 12 months or so working with them and their HR team, 
we did like awareness sessions. We did talks on stigma and social media and had, they had other people sharing their story. Then we did a series of sort of training sessions for senior managers, their relationship managers and a specific role and how do they deal with their clients. Then they wanted mental health first aiders. We embedded them into the business and we made sure they were supported and all of this. And, and I started to really see results. And I think, you know, if they were here as well, they would probably say as well that maybe what they were like maybe two or three years ago is different to what it is today. Of course, it's not perfect and we're not trying to get a perfect um, sort of example here, but the results were, were huge. Now people are talking about mental health. Now it's easier to engage with them on mental health because we've done a lot more and we've taken a more proactive approach. And I'm going to get into the strategy and I'm going to sort of show you guys the framework of what you can take away from this. But the hard and current way we deal with it currently is we rely on HR. Can I get a yes if you, if you, if you agree with that? We rely on HR. Um, staff morale needs boosting. Can you deal with that? Um, anyone had that one? So we rely too much on HR, right? So again, especially during these tough times, I mean, you, you guys are just, yeah, you've had so much to deal with and then all of a sudden, morale needs sorting can you do something about it guys and 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 that's a focus that is just you know when we're looking at the complexity of mental health as it is it's we struggle to we, let's be honest we struggle to manage our own mental health let our own manage the mental health of all of our employees as well right so we rely too much on hr we ignore it until an issue arises we don't have a mental health problem no one's talking about it does that mean you don't have a mental health problem or does that mean you have a stigma that means that no one wants to talk about it we try to guess what employees need. So we kind of say, oh, well, they need this. I think we need to do this. I think we need to do that. We spend budget without a way to track that impact. And we don't know whether it's having an impact or not, because again, this is such an early sort of stuff for, for organizations to be doing. And we focus on reactive interventions, you know, mental health, first aid, employee assistance programs. Having that in the business is, is fine, but again, it's like there in case a crisis happens. And when we're looking at the sort of total cost of this current way of dealing with it, you know, research has kind of shown it's 1300 for every employee per year, the cost of poor mental health within a business. But actually, when you kind of add up misspent budget by doing this and trying this and trying that, you know, having this, but no one's using it, you know, at the same time, the cost is, is huge from a financial point of view, but also from an emotional point of view. What is the cost? What is the cost of the business if we don't get this stuff right? And I um, really agree with that, Tammy, as well. Big stigma for staff is feeling they are open. It will impact their career, especially if senior managers are on board. So what can we do differently? How do we approach this differently? And, you know, how do we kind of see this in a different way? So what I'm going to show you is, is the three P's that we use and how you can kind of implement it within your business, how we can kind of take the guesswork out of it that will sort of save you a lot of time, you know, for you to try and figure out what we need to do within the business. And then how do we get that senior buy-in? How do we get budget how do we do this potentially without budget as well so i'm going to try and encapsulate that all into this strategy that you can take away um, and then i'll show you obviously um another sort of thing that can kind of help too so if you remember this original concept that i wrote down on a piece of paper um we spent the last couple of years kind of working on this having help um from some amazing people on my team and other people and we've kind of compressed it down into an easier to remember strategy without it kind of impacting results. And you might want to write this down. It's promote, provide, protect. Promote, provide, protect. And we're kind of looking at these three pillars here. Those three pillars almost represent that kind of, as we said, that funnel, as you can see there. But when we're looking at promote, provide, protect, this is almost the sort of free peas method that we've been sharing with a lot of the clients that we're, we're now working with. And, and it's something that I really, really stand by. So promote, provide, protect. Now, 
businesses have been doing that, right? Ignore promote, ignore provide, we'll just go straight to protect. And this is kind of what we need to flip. We need to start looking at more of a proactive, preventative approach. Um, and of course, you know, there's also that daunt that that's going to take a lot of time. But again, we're going to kind of flip that and show you how we can kind of save time with it. But breaking these down, when we're looking at the promote stage, the aim is to create that healthy working environment, you know, removing as many workplace stresses as possible. It's to focus on the causes of stress, the work environment, and really focusing on more of a preventative approach. There's lots of different evidence-based interventions within this one pillar itself. And of course, they differ for every business. But really, this is about how can you almost create awareness? How can you almost start to tackle that stigma that might exist in your business? And that's not saying that you've done a bad job. That's just there's stigma still in society, right? We are all very reactive in mental health. We've all got to try and encourage people to deal with it, even though they've been conditioned to not. But the promote stage is really important because how do we encourage those conversations? How do we tackle that stigma that exists in the business? Like Tammy says, if, if that stigma exists, people are going to struggle. The reason why I didn't tell any of my friends, anyone at work about how I was feeling in that moment is because none of them were talking about it. I would walk into work and no one's talking about their emotions. So why, why am I going to talk about that? Because I feel so alone. I feel like I'm the only one dealing with that in that situation. But what happens if an employee or the employer or something happens that encourages people to start talking about how they're feeling and encourages people to start talking about mental health? I feel like I would be a lot more confident in that situation to say, you know what, you know, I'm struggling as well. This is what I've been through. And now all of a sudden we're creating this almost different culture within the business that's focused more on awareness and focused more on that healthy working environment that we need to create. But then when we're looking at the next stage of provide, of course, you know, having that awareness is great for all of the employees, but at the same time, when it comes to provide, the aim is to improve individual employee reactions to stress, educating them on effective ways to manage and respond to stresses. How much reliant is there on HR that if someone's struggling, they come to you and you deal with it? Are you, are you that expert to deal with that? Is, that? is that valid? Is that something that should be existing in a business today when it comes to mental health? What we want to try and do is provide employees with the tools that they need to have to be able to manage it themselves, right? Of course, a lot of people might need that help in hand, but we want to provide them with proactive strategies and tools that allows the employees and empowers the employees to manage their own mental health. And this is more of a preventative and reactive sort of approach to it as well. So again, when I'm looking at my own journey, when I was dealing with what I was dealing with, I've spoken about my tools, overworking, getting angry, overspending, over drinking. Like that was the tools that I had in my toolbox. That was what I was equipped with to deal with my mental health. But the tools that I now have in my toolbox through years and years and years of more proactive strategies is journaling, it's exercise, it's meditation, it's talking therapy, it's knowing the people that I can talk to. It's knowing that I can accept how I feel. It makes me human. It doesn't make me weak. And, and all of this is now within my toolbox that actually encourages me that I feel secure to potentially manage my own mental health myself. And this is what we want to provide employees with. We want to provide them with those proactive strategies that allow them individually to manage their mental health when times get tough. And really, that's a really important stage. And when we're looking at the promote and the provide stage, you know, we have to start thinking about what are we doing as a business within those two areas. But again, this isn't us saying protect isn't important. You know, the aim of protect is still there to minimize damaging consequences of any stressor by helping individuals to cope more effectively and providing that specialist support and assistance. 
because there are still going to be people, no matter what you do as a business, that will be struggling because of the amount of complexity behind mental health, right? As a business, there's stuff that you can do, but equally outside of the business and personally and what's happened in the past and past condition and all of that, that's very much out of your control. So you can only do as much as you possibly can. So there's going to be some instances where you do need that protect there. But I think what's really important when we're looking at protect, typically the evidence sort of, you know, the interventions that we might use are an EAP as an example, or might be mental health first aiders here. I think what's really important is looking at how effective are they? But at the same time, do we know whether they are being utilized and at the same time, whether they are, um, worth having in the business, right? Because so many businesses will just implement mental health first aid, but if you don't have the promote and the provide stage taken care of, am I going to feel comfortable to go and speak to Joe who works in admin and is a mental health first aider? I'm not. Of course I'm not. I don't feel like comfortable enough within the business to go and speak to that mental health first aider. So is that fully us utilizing that protect stage of this, this strategy? So really when we're kind of looking at this, um, it's it's so important for us to kind of look at these three pillars and start to look at it more of like a strategy rather than just products. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to do this. So focus on the why rather than the what. But of course, if this was easy, more companies would be taking this approach, right? Flipping it the other way, focusing more on a proactive approach rather than a reactive one. But the issue comes with the time that it can take if you don't follow a framework, if you don't know those pillars, if you don't know what's specific to your business is going to work within them. So that's where it can become quite difficult. Now, would any of you guys relate to that? Just give me a yes if you can. That, you know, all of this sounds amazing. We're going to do awareness sessions. We're going to do this. We're going to do training. We're going to have a proactive approach. Amazing, amazing, amazing. But one, I don't have the time to. I don't have the budget, right? So that's when it becomes very difficult. So I'm sure there's lots of you that are very passionate about doing this, but if you don't have the time and the budget, it becomes, becomes more difficult. So of course, you know, I'm happy to kind of share a couple of free ways to do that. Um, we've got a, a champion course that we do for free. And, and again, I'll, I'll let you know my email at the end of this. Happy to kind of, you know, share that with you. And, and there's other ways of kind of empowering employees to, to talk and create their own sort of forums within the business to take that workload off you it's difficult it's difficult to do this stuff if you if you don't have the strategy behind it and so many people would just do this right they'll go to google well-being strategy or what to do 125 million results pay off they say do it this way do it that way do it this way and it's just so complex right it's so complex it's so difficult you've got so much to do you're you're, you're just going to struggle especially if you haven't got that senior buy-in as well so really when we're kind of looking at it i think it's so important that we Remember this promote, provide, protect, write that down, take that away with you. Think about kind of in terms of as a business and put it in the chat box now, what area does your business need more support with? Does it need more support with promote, provide, protect? But really when we're kind of looking at this as an overall picture, I think everyone can walk away from this and say, hold on, we realize the importance and the differences now. So many times as a business, and this has been the norm for so long, we've just gone straight to protect. There's nothing wrong with that. We want to protect ourselves. We want to protect the individuals if they're struggling. But how much more could we be doing if we introduce these two new pillars of promote and provide, right? I'm just looking here. We've got lots of sort of saying promote, promote and provide. Engagement is key. Working in a male-dominated traditional environment is super tricky, Zoe. 100%, a lot of that is about education, right? Educating them to not see mental illness as mental health. 
you know, whenever we're talking about mental health, we naturally default into mental illness. I don't want to talk about that. That's my perception of straight jackets, padded cells. I'm not going anywhere near that. But actually, when it comes to, you know, we work with a lot of construction businesses as well, and I've done talks. It's just that education and, and them seeing it in a human way as well. Lots of promote, lots of promote, couple of provides, good stuff. So by the looks of it, maybe you guys have got more of a, um, a structure in place that's there for protect but maybe we want to kind of flip that and look at promote and provide as well. Um, removing stressors, line managing, training is the answer. Um, 98% over 70 volunteers, huge stigma. Yeah, like mental health is super generational, right? So there's lots that we can do here. Now, in terms of how we can get started with this, like how do we take the guesswork out of it? How can we, um, you know, how can we help you and how can you help yourself when it comes to these three pillars? Now, when it comes to it, how many times have you tried to guess what to do for mental health? So, you know, how many times has there been a, a scenario where you've been tasked with, we need to do something for wellbeing or mental health awareness weeks coming up or blue Mondays coming up, or this is happening. And, and you've almost guessed like, oh, I think we should do this. I, I think we should, I think we should try this. Now, again, this isn't a bad situation because there's so much guesswork still with mental health and mental illness. And, and it, and it exists because of the complexity of it, but guessing, means that it takes up our time it means that we spend more money and it means that it drains our resources as well you know should we get mental health first aiders should we not maybe i'll google it maybe i'll see or maybe i'll speak to people you know it's a very sort of you know we're, we're almost guessing is that going to fit into the business oh it's mental health awareness week this month you know what should we do should we do a talk what should we send out as comms there's there's lots of guesswork you know how do we know if we're not opening up a can of worms i've heard this many times before um we're not experts you know, if, 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 if I come in and do a talk within your organization, am I going to open up a can of worms? Am I going to make everyone now, um, you know, triggered and, and emotional and sad and, and wanting to talk about mental health and needing that support? Like, is that what you need with the kind of workload that you've got? You know, again, all of these answers, all of these questions go through our head and, and we're, we're really guessing. So how do we kind of tailor that to our businesses? Now, <clears throat> when it comes to what we would normally do, First thing we would normally do is we can look at what other businesses are doing within your industry. So again, you've got these three P's, go and have a little look what other businesses doing within your industry. Um, you know, see people are public about this stuff. You know, they do shout about it. What are they doing? Normally they shout about the kind of um, the products rather than the strategy, but still, you know, what are they doing within your industry and, and what can we learn from that? Again, every business is different. If you're a manufacturing company, the way that you support, you know, employees within that environment is very different to if you're a digital agency and you're trying to support employees there. So again, I would look at your industry. I would look at similar lines of work and see what businesses are doing within that industry. You can also review recent engagement surveys and look at the current data that you have, right? It's another thing that you can do. Go through, have a little look back, say, is there any areas that they might be struggling and, and trying to learn from that before you make any decisions when it comes to, to mental health and the support that you're going to be offering. You can also try and get new data. You do more engagement surveys, you know, do employees like engagement surveys anymore? That's the big question. Um, you can invest in support and you can hope that it works. You could say, we're going we're gonna to pay or we're going to run a session on this, 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 and we're going to try this. And we're actually going to grab that data and we're going to see, okay, what's worked well? What had high engagement? What's the feedback been like? And we can learn from that, right? Again, all of this is something that we can do. These are all steps to allow us to start to use that free piece. But when it comes to the way that we've kind of built and the way that we're kind of approaching it, a quicker way, what we've almost done is devise working with um, over hundreds of companies within 
um, you know, different industries, different spaces, different sizes, you know, from an SME all the way up to sort of a, a bigger enterprise sort of, um, you know, employer. When we're looking at this, when we're looking at those three P's, it's how do we answer the right questions to you to figure out as a business, this is where you need to focus. So to figure out what does it currently look like and what areas, what pillars do you need to focus on the most? And then more importantly, with those pillars, whether it's promote, whether it's provide, whether it's protect, let's say promote as an example, what evidence-based interventions within that pillar are suitable for you as a business? We need to move away from a one-size-fits-all approach, right? We need to move away from this one-size-fits-all approach of this is how we deal with it. So the questions that we've got here is what is holding you back from implementing more well-being initiatives? Do you have a well-being strategy in place that considers immediate support? And this is a small kind of quiz that we've developed, and I'll share this with you guys. So you can almost find out the pillar that you need to help with the most. And instead of obviously going for all engagement surveys and researching and putting more workload on your plate, the quicker way is for us, as we've done, devise this quick quiz that we can do with you, find out the pillar that you need to improve, tailor that to your business and tell you potentially what interventions you need to use then when we know what pillars we can focus on we then plan out that roadmap right the next 12 months what does that look like we need to stop as i say focusing on the what we've got this we're going to do this and focus on the why what's the strategy for the next 12 months what's the roadmap what are we going to do for mental health awareness week and why are we going to do that right and we're kind of looking at this sort of roadmap this approach this strategy that's tailored to your business and that will save you time and it will of course save you money in the long run and in terms of how do we do this without buying how do we do this without budget then again when we're kind of looking at it there's a couple of things that i would suggest it's, it's difficult trust me i've seen many many companies struggle but it's not impossible and there's a few ways that we can do this the first way is you know for me show them the data senior buyers buy in you know founders of the company ceos whatever it is if they don't see it as a priority like you see it we need to deal with it in a different way and what I mean by that is with those people, we have to show them data. So within your organization, there might be some data that highlights that mental health is an issue and it needs to be sort of more prioritized. Um, they're more potentially numbers people, more of like a commercial hat on. So they want to see it in a commercial way. And not everyone's like this. Like I said, some sort of, you know, senior managers and some CEOs are very, very proactive with mental health and they just want to do it because it's the right thing to do. But for others, they want to see a commercial case of, you know, here's the data. This is why we need to do something about it. Make that business case for them. Make that business case of this is why it's important. This is why it's going to help the business overall. This is how we're going to improve it. And again, this misconception and educating them almost in a way that you probably believe that with mental health, it's this small cohort of people that are struggling and we can kind of just forget about them. But actually what they need to realize is a much bigger cohort and that cohort could have their highest performing employees, right? But at the same time, they're struggling and they need that extra support. They need that open sort of, you know, culture within a business, that safer environment. At the same time, they need the tools to be able to stay on top of their mental health because they're high performing employees. So we're almost making a business case for them and getting them to see it in a different way. And what we can also do as a tip is start small, <clears throat> demonstrate the benefits. And when you can do that and you can demonstrate the benefits to them, they might say, OK, we want to invest a bit more into this as well. So there's a variety of different things that you can do to get that senior buy-in, which is really, really important as well. But for me, and what we've found is it's tracking return on investment and understanding where to make investments. 
if we're always going to them and saying, hey, I think we need some more budget because we want to do this. And then you go, oh, hey, I'm back again. I think I need some more budget because we want to do this. What they need to almost be able to see is a way of tracking that. And at the same time, knowing, is this a good way of us investing this money? Is this a, a place that we know is a good investment or is this us guessing that it's going to help? Because, you know, we did that last year and I don't know how much has changed within the business. So they want to be able to track ROI and, and make, you know, investments. And this kind of brings you on to every mind. So, you know, two years ago, I, I came up with this concept, as I kind of said to you, of these different, you know, pillars and this different level and this different approach. And I remember just feeling so disheartened when I left an organization. I thought to myself, how do we reach more people? But how do we help more people? You know, of course, this is a business. But at the same time, hopefully you've seen from my story, this is something that I, I just do because... I, I just need change, right? It's it makes me it makes me feel close to my dad, however strange this sounds. And um, you know, I feel like he didn't get the opportunity to be able to deal with what he was dealing with because of the way that we approach mental health. And eleven years later, I'm not confident that much has changed. So the idea for every mind came around sharing personal experience, creating more accessible support, but equally working with businesses to get them to see it in a different way, but allow them to almost take the guesswork out of it. Right. So allow them to kind of see data and know what's what, where to improve. And this is kind of where we devise, as you can see on the screen now, this every mind score, this every mind score that looks at resilience, good mental health within the business, job satisfaction, general well-being and workplace well-being. And we pull data anonymously via our app that we use but bringing it in and shows you how your score looks as a business but how that compares and how you can improve it and at the same time we bring in more data from from it as well and we kind of look at anxiety and worry connections and relationships lifestyle of employees their mood their self-belief their work-life balance and what we're then doing is we're kind of highlighting the areas that are doing well and the areas that they're struggling as well so then what we've now got is this kind of visualization of here's how the business looks. This is almost the pulse point of the business. And this is potentially where we need to invest. This is potentially where we need to spend a bit more time. So instead of us just guessing and just wasting money and this taking another five, 10 years to get to where I want it to be, it's almost in a way we're now looking at, okay, if we do this, we make this change, we do this, we can now start to move closer. And if this is all within this strategy of the three piece framework, as I've said to you, it makes it a lot easier. And all of this is driven by the app that we've created, the anonymous app that we update with meditations and proactive strategies and it's accessible support 24 seven. And really you might be thinking not another app, but really what the app does is it provides that tool on employees phones, as you can see here, it's easy for them to sign up and we're always updating it with more and more content. There's a big focus on personal experience. There's a big focus on those free piece, looking at promote, looking at provide, looking at protect, so whether it's 24 seven tech service or at the same time, whether it's a video that someone shares their story and that encourages that employee to go and share theirs within the business. The whole app is really kind of built around those three P's as well. And what the app is, is anonymous, as I say, support for the employees, but then you're driving that data within the business. So you can obviously see that too. And what we then kind of realize is, you know, you don't want another product. You don't want another service. You want, a partner you want to save time you want someone to be able to sit there with you and provide you that support as a hr or as as someone in hr or as a well-being lead or whatever it is you need someone there to kind of partner with you and provide you that support saving you that time saving you that budget saving you that resources 
like I said to you guys, you know, you've got a task. You've got a task to even look after your own mental health, let alone all of your employees. So what we're trying to do is be there by your side to kind of help you with that. And, you know, it's a really, really big purpose-driven sort of part of our business. So what I want to do is, is just for this session, um, what we're going to do is we're going to do a free strategy call. So what I mean by that is you're going to jump on a call with me and I want to kind of, you know, ask you some questions. We'll go through that quiz and we'll find out the pillar that you need to improve the most. And then we'll kind of look at what evidence-based interventions you need. At the same time, I'm going to give you, if you want, a demo of the app and the dashboard and kind of walk you all through that as well. All you need to do is email just my email there, paul at everymindatwork.com. You haven't got to go to a link or anything like that. Just email paul at everymindatwork.com. Um, and what I'm going to do on that call, like I said to you, is kind of tailor this approach to your business. You, you, of course, can go and do this. Like you've got those three Ps. You know the areas, as you said, which you need to improve the most. Um, you can, of course, go and do this. But equally, what I want to do is kind of accelerate it. So what we're trying to do is instead of just saying, hey, you've got this now, go and add this to your pile of all of the other stuff that you've got to do, um, you know, feel free to drop me an email and we'll kind of book you on to a strategy call and we'll walk you through all of this all together. And in terms of who this applies to, it could be, a standalone, you know, HR, someone in HR with a small business of maybe, you know, 50, 100 employees. It might be a business owner of a company that's sort of got, you know, 30 employees. You might be within a HR team and you're feeling a little bit stretched. Um, you know, this really is for anyone that's wanting to improve workplace mental health, knows the importance of it or has been tasked with it, but equally, you know, just doesn't know where to start and they just feel a little bit overwhelmed with that. It's there for you as well. Um, and if you don't feel like you have the time, what I would probably say to that is, you know, this is only going to become more of an issue and um, it's only going to become longer term something that you're going to have to focus on. So it's going to become a big, big issue within the business and it's going to become a necessity. So, yes, you might think to yourself, I haven't got an hour for this call or half an hour for a call with Paul um, to kind of go through this now. But actually, you know, it's going to potentially save you a lot of time in the long run. At the same time, you know, we do a lot of that work for you. So if you're worried about the app and embedding the app and onboarding all of your employees and all of that, you know, don't worry about that. Obviously, our team's there to kind of take care of that for you as well. Um, if you don't have the budget, again, our partnerships are very flexible. Hopefully, you've seen this is a, a purpose-driven business. We're not like, this is our prize and that's it. Um, there's a variety of different things that, you know, I'm kind of, or we're here to help you with. And, and this is really a purpose-driven business. And hopefully we can kind of um, align with your budget and align with what you want to achieve as a business, tailor it to you and be able to offer you that support as well. And if you're worried about senior buying, we can help you with that as well. Um, we've, got, we've got plenty of tools that you can use to really get them to see it in a different way and say, hold on, you're right, we need to spend a little bit of money here. Guys, it's there for you, promote, provide, protect. Um, hopefully you've seen this in a different way. I really want to I see people saying thank you. I really want to say thank you to you. Um, whenever I get an opportunity to share my story, um, I, I want to thank you. This is free therapy, all right? If you want to, if you want to, if you want to invoice me, um, as I always joke, if you want to invoice me for this therapy session, then feel free. Um, but no, hopefully it's shown you in a, in a different perspective. And, and hopefully it shows you that even you personally, you're, you're, it's okay to take that mask off, right? It's okay to take that mask off. And, and sometimes you need that little bit of help as well. Um, and that's kind of really what we're trying to do. And, and hopefully you've seen that this isn't a cost. This is an investment for the business too. So lots that we can help you with, guys. Like I say, drop me an email, paul at everymindatwork.com. Yeah, I was nervous. I never get nervous for this stuff. I do it, I do it a lot now, but I was nervous. Um, I don't know why. I think it's maybe because I haven't been feeling amazing the last, the last week or so. Um, is anyone else struggling with this lockdown free? 
terrible, terrible. Just feel tired all the time and exhausted and so on. Um, by looks of it, you've, 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 you've been struggling as well, Grace. We're definitely not alone here. Um, but yeah, there's so many ways that we can help, guys. So like I say, drop me an email. If you do have any questions as well, I know we're running out of time, so do drop me an email as well. Um, really kind of there to, to help you as much as we possibly can. So good stuff. I'm going to put my email in the chat box, even though it might get lost. Paul at everymindatwork.com. Um, have a little look. We've got plenty of emails flying through, guys. So I really, really appreciate that. Um, thank you so much for taking the time out to listen. Looking forward to hopefully speaking to a lot of you on the phone and seeing if we can help you with it as well. Um, but keep doing the amazing work that you do, guys. Um, and we're here to help whenever you need us. All right. Speak very soon. All right. Bye.